This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome to your Wednesday Rush Hour. Most early here, James Golden, 800-848-WABC. So number to call if you want to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC. We have a packed program today. We're going to have a little fun with a brilliant satirist, a guy who makes parodies. We used to play some of his parodies on Rush Limbaugh's show. His name is Bob Rivers. He's a, a radio personality, or he was for many, many years out on the left coast of America. But also, turning serious, we are going to hear from, and I can't wait for this, I've been looking forward all week, Harmeet Dillon, who is running to replace Rona McDaniels as the head of the RNC. And we are anxiously awaiting her. She will be here this afternoon. She's, to me, and I don't know whether you will agree, you'll hear, she's a breath of fresh air. Also, you know, Rand. Speaking of parodies, uh, Scott, did you hear the uh, did you hear the Ron Pat the, the Ron Paul parody on the uh, night before Christmas? No, Rand or Ron? Rand. No. Yeah, Senator Rand Paul has the uh, he did a poem a takeoff on the night before Christmas. It's a little bit long. It's almost four minutes long, but I'm determined to play it because it's about this omnibus spending bill. Now. Uh, let's talk about that spending bill for a moment. Um, right before the show started, Scott, my chief engineer, asked me if I had read a piece in Newsweek, and I had not read this particular piece. Um, and, and Mitch McConnell was talking about the number one priority for Republicans. So, of course, I thought he was talking about passing this omnibus spending bill which is just a treasure trove of goodies and pork-laden handouts for the left wing of this country. Equity incubators. Right, among other things. Equity incubators, uh, a trail for Michelle Obama in Georgia, uh, all sorts of money to LGBTQIA centers across the country, et cetera, et cetera. And we're talking about millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. By the time you add it up in those directions, this whole package is almost $2 trillion they want to pass. But no, that's not Mitch's number one priority. This is in the Newsweek story. Providing assistance for Ukrainians to defeat Russians is the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans, said Mitch McConnell. That's how we see the challenges confronting the country at the moment. Well, I got news for Mr. McConnell, that is not the number one priority in America. In fact, we've been, Mr. Zelensky is here. Now, you know I have supported 
the efforts of the Ukrainians to stand fast against Russian aggression. But that is not the number one priority of America. And doesn't this go back to the very thing that Donald Trump used to talk about when he said American should put America first and American priorities first. Right now, according to Mitch McConnell, America's priority is ensuring that Ukraine is victorious over Russia. Now, we would all like to see that. And, yes, the political, the geopolitical implications of a Russian victory would be very troubling indeed. But right now, America has other problems. We have an open border that no one seems to be able to fix. The administration won't even acknowledge it's there. We have the potential to have, according to some news reports, double the number of illegal immigrants living in the United States. We have issues with the American economy still recovering from the disastrous lockdowns that Democrat governors mostly imposed during COVID. That's still going on. We have rampant inflation. That's affecting Americans' pocketbooks all over the place. We have problems with crime, not being able to walk out into the streets. We have all sorts of problems, and they are not Ukrainian problems. They are American problems. Chip Roy, who was on this program earlier this week, Chip Roy has demonstrated, ladies and gentlemen, what real leadership in Congress looks like. A group of House Republicans, 31 of them, are now saying they will oppose any legislation, no matter how big, no matter how small, in the next session of Congress put forth by Senate Republicans if Senate Republicans vote for this monstrous omni-deal. We reiterate that if any omnibus passes in the remaining days of this Congress, we will oppose and whip opposition to any legislative priority of those senators who vote for this bill including the Republican leader, including Mitch McConnell. Their threat, this is a Fox News story on this, their threat could have major repercussions for next year as the GOP-controlled House will only be able to lose a handful of votes on any piece of legislation before having to rely on Democrats to secure a passage. Kill this terrible bill, or there is no point in pretending we are a united party and we must prepare for a new political reality. That's what these 31 brave House Republicans, being led by Chip Roy of Texas, has said one of the biggest culprits in trying to pass this massive handout to to radical liberals is Senator John Cornyn of Texas who time and time again disappoints the conservative base in Texas. Chip Roy is now standing up, and he is doing what many Republicans on our side continuously fail to do, which is to organize the opposition party to actually oppose 
what liberals are offering. Now, let me give you a hint, a taste of what you get from Washington, D.C. This is in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Opinion, why the GOP should should support the terrible omnibus bill. This is Henry Olson, and this is how this starts out. Conservatives are right to be upset over the omnibus spending package released Tuesday morning. They should back it regardless. So you're right to oppose this, but just get behind it. Shut up and fall in line anyway. Why? Because politics is always about the possible. And where there's conservative opposition to the package, that's where the conservative opposition falls short. The question isn't whether this bill measures up. It's whether there's a preferable alternative. The answer is, sadly, there are no better ways forward. How would you know unless you try? And this is what Mr. Olson's, who's a... Because Democrats will continue to control the Senate, they have effective veto power over any spending packages they don't find palatable regardless of who controls the House. In other words, it's unlikely Republicans will get anything better if they wait to take control of the House. So just cave in now. Don't even put up a fight. Put your tail between your legs and walk away and give the Democrats another victory rather than fight, because we shouldn't fight. This is what Mr. Olson believes. Over at CNN, Jake Tapper explains why, despite all of these claims that they're different, they're not. He says the reason that Senate Republicans are coming into this deal with the devil in their view is because they look at Kevin McCarthy and his gang of flying monkeys. So the House conservatives, according to Jake Tapper, who, by the way, used to be with Associated Press before he moved over to CNN, This is how he describes you, me, our representative, a bunch of flying monkeys, the crazies. This is why nothing changes in official Washingtondom. Again, if you want to comment on this omnibus spending garbage on Chip Roy or on any of it, feel free. We're going to stop down for just a little bit of fun first, then we're going to pick it back up. Again, we have... Harmeet Dillon, who is going to be with us when we come back. Also, Bob Rivers, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here on WABC 800-848-WABC's number to call, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Rush Hour with Pose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, 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 oh,
Take six brings us back as we celebrate Hanukkah and the lead up to Christmas. Do we have Mr. Rivers on with us? Do we have Mr. Rivers on with us? Yes, I'm I'm here. I was just talking to the crew. Okay, how are you, Bob Rivers? Pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you both, Nerdly. I am joyous. I am happy. I am full of the holiday spirit, and I'm full of myself, as, as usual. <laughs> <Full of, laughs> Bob, I didn't know. I have to confess. I didn't know it was you all this time. Rush Limbaugh, as you know, we all, first of all, yes. Bob, you have had an amazing career in this broadcast industry. As I read up on your accomplishments, and they are so many, you did mornings in various places, 40, over 40 years of morning radio, and quite successfully. You are a veteran's veteran in this business. You've had just the most amazing a broadcast career yourself. What got you into this business? How old were you when you when you started? Well, that's a great question, Bo, and uh, it goes back to living within the sound coverage of the seventy-seven WABC signal. I, I was growing up in Connecticut, and I, uh, at about six years old, my grandfather gave me a radio, a transistor radio, and and he gave me a box of batteries, which I went through quickly. And I would listen to songs, and from a very young age, I would goof around and change the lyrics. It was just a, a fun thing to do. And as I got into radio, I, um, you know, and I started doing a morning show, I made a few song parodies, and people loved them. And I thought, what if I did a song parody album of Christmas songs? I wonder, because I, I, even then, you know, I'm even from the age of six, I had a bit, little bit of business acumen. I was like... I'd like to make something they could resell every year. (laughs) (laughs) Six years old. (laughs) And I I noticed the Christmas albums, you know, they keep coming out. And who knew? I mean, that, you know, some 40 years later. But uh, I was worried because at the time, the right to parody had not been ruled on by the Supreme Court as a part of free speech. So you would have to get permission from people to do a song parody. And what I did is I went to the public library and I looked up traditional Christmas songs, author unknown. Because ah. it's hard to be sued by author unknown. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites, so, any, so one of my yeah, favorites was one of those, of course. I think it was one of those. We used to play so many of your parodies. I did not know they were from the album Twisted Christmas. Which, by the way, you did something that so many recording artists who spend their entire lives in the recording business want as the trophy. They want the gold record. They want the sales. Yeah. They want the sales to merit their 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 success. And that album went gold. You 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 are the owner of a gold record. You've done it. Yes, I did not, however, get. On the cover of the Rolling Stone, I think it's that, <laughs> that, but 
it's funny that records that is one of the few things that hangs up in my office and it's a, a source of extreme pride but before you and by the way i love the way you're building me up this is fantastic but i have to stop you for one second and say there's something spiritual about the way this whole thing came down because it really wasn't just me if you notice unlike weird al i don't sing the songs myself i'm more like uh, tom sawyer huck finn come help me paint this fence and my higher power put all these wonderful people in my life who do all this incredible singing. I met arrangers. I met some of the people on some of the albums are super famous, even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, I had a standing agreement with them that they, that they would play on the record if I took that and never told another soul as long as I lived that they were on it. So wow, um, really a blessing. Yeah. That explains something to me. You know, I'm I, I'm a music lover. And when I listen to, number one, your arrangements of these songs, I listen to the orchestration. I listen to the harmonies. I listen to the way that these songs are constructed, the drama of the build on them. It is so unbelievable. I mean, these would be, it was a hit record in the genre of parody, but these would be hit records just based on the production alone. And so now you've just explained how you were able to do that. Yes, and, and, and I, I was a frustrated uh, musician myself. I was, you know, I wished I, everybody, hey, in that era, everybody bought a guitar and wanted to be a rock star, or in my case, keyboards. And I didn't have that thing. There's this thing you have to have to be great. Uh, what's it called? Oh, talent. <laughs> and, um, <but> also, <laughs> and also you have to be willing to lock yourself in a room and practice practice pra you have to put in that 10,000 hours and so here I really wanted to be a musician and what I found was I had a blast having conversations and producing and doing things like that and really I had fun on the radio and so doing the twisted tunes of the twisted Christmas was a way to you know follow my uh, passion, the hobby of music, and have it be good for the radio. And when I first started doing them, I didn't have a record deal or anything. I just sent them out to everybody. I sent them out to New York. I, I sent them to Scott Shannon. I sent them to Rick Dees. And all these guys started playing it. And uh, they all said, this is the Scott Shannon Morning Singers. <laughs> 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 People would call me and say, oh, they're playing your songs. And then when the record came out, of course, uh, and by the way, I didn't care. I was a ra I'm was a radio lover. I'm a, I'm a broadcaster. It, you know, to me, if I could make someone smile and make them happy with the songs, and also as long as my parents liked them, because I was raised a strict Catholic. And, oh. Uh, you know, I couldn't well, listen, get too edgy. Yes. Well, Bob, listen, it is such a treat. You know the business. I'm up against the clock, and I want to play my favorite of your songs. Can I ask him one question before? Sure, you go do? ahead, Scott. Just real quick, did you sing? Because I, I, there's a song you made, the "Who Put the Stump in the Rump," which I had not heard until last year, so it's new to me. Did you sing yeah. that song? Is, is that you on there? Yeah. Uh, okay. I, uh, if you hear a baritone part and some guy who sounds like he was auto-tuned and pitch corrected, that was probably me. Got it. <laughs> Bob, we hope to have you back. Please tell people where they can find you. I can tell right now, BobRivers.com, you can find amazing information. You're still doing a podcast, and you're still active, correct? Yeah, I still do a weekly podcast, and uh, just search Bob Rivers on any of the podcast platforms. Go to BobRivers.com, and, you know, p pick up the albums. But really, 
enjoy them. Uh, and uh, God bless you all. Thank you very much for having me on WABC. Thank you, Bob Rivers. We're going to play my favorite Bob Rivers Christmas parody for you, ladies and gentlemen, right now. I'm wearing her clothes, her silk pantyhose, walking round in women's underwear. In the store, there's a teddy with little straps like spaghetti. It holds me so tight, like handcuffs at night, walking round in women's underwear. In the office, there's a guy named Melvin. He pretends that I am Murphy Brown. He'll say, are you ready? We'll say, whoa, man. Let's wait until the wife is out of town. Later on, if you wanna, we can dress like Madonna. Put on some high shade and join the parade. That's Bob Rivers, and that is one of his parody songs that I love so much. We used to play that occasionally on the Rush Limbaugh Show. We also had another favorite, which we will maybe play another time, uh, Chipmunks Roasting on an Open Fire, which we, it was just a gorgeous song. Um, James Golden, okay, so let me tell you what, so we had a little fun. You know what we do have? We can't play it because it's right now, the, the clock is against us. We have Rand Paul. Let's get started. I tell you what, we won't play the whole thing, but let's get started with Rand Paul, who is talking today, kind of a parody, about this new omnibus spending bill. Here's Rand Paul. It was the week before Christmas, and through the Senate and House, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The earmarks were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The senators were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt, while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out of the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? Away to the window they flew like a flash, tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a 4,000-page omni with endless debt year after year. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now McConnell, now Schumer, now Pelosi and Vixen. 
on Biden, on stupid, on dumber and blitzen, to debt, to bankruptcy, to free money for all. Now dash away, dash away, more cash for all. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As the economy threatened to run aground, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and You can find the full copy of that. We'll just leave it there, right there. That's Senator Rand Paul, who has this year become the the, the poet laureate, not only of the United States Senate, but speaking for most Americans about this dreadful omnibus spending bill. It's all over social media. Listen to the whole thing if you'd like. It's a delight. We're going to take a break. News when we get back. Another stunning personality. And we've had a week of them. By the way, there's also Carrie Lake news. We'll speak with Miss Dillon, who wants to become the next RNC head when we get back. James Golden, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here on WABC. Don't go away. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. tonight if you read, as we did yesterday, some of the things that are in this omnibus spending package. It is just lots of toys, lots of goodies for the left on that sleigh. The same gentleman that I wrote, that I read an article from, his opinion piece, that said Republicans should not try to do any better with this omnibus spending bill, as Henry Olson also had a piece Earlier this week, in his opinion, he says, Ronald McDaniel's not to blame for the GOP's election failures. And stop picking on Ronald. So what? She loses election time after time after time. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. Guess whose fault it is? Nonetheless, she is facing a challenge, a stiff challenge, from Harmeet Dillon, who is on with us now. I have waited for this moment. I have heard you speak. You are electrifying people all around the country once they get to know you, Miss Dillon. Welcome to the James Golden, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here on WABC. 
Thanks for having me. You are a lawyer. You are a Republican Party official. You were the chairwoman of the California Republican Party. You've been a national committee woman at the RNC. What made you decide you wanted to run for the top post of the RNC? Well, Bo, I'm a volunteer in politics, and I do that in addition to all the different jobs I have, head of my law firm, the founder of a nonprofit, media work for Republican causes, uh, pro-life movement, and others, because I want to see our country be a better place where people can afford to live, be happy, be safe. Our borders should be closed, and we should, we should uh, you know, be making liberty-promoting policies. We have not been able to do that for the last several years because we keep losing elections under the tenure of the current chair. Now, to be fair, it is not solely uh, a blame that may be laid at her feet, okay? But she is the leader of the party, and I think leadership requires taking responsibility. When, when you know, I am the leader of a couple of organizations, I take responsibility for what we do. I don't point the finger at other people, say it's Trump's fault, it's bad candidates' fault, we can't do anything about it. And, you know, we turned out a bunch of votes that we really won anyway. I, I think it, I think it requires honesty. And frankly, speaking of honesty, uh, the, the chair made a commitment to the members of the RNC two years ago that she was running for her third and final term. And yet when the election didn't turn out well and for whatever personal reasons she's running for a fourth term, I think that's problematic. And so I uh, am running because I'm the only member of the RNC who stepped up. Generally speaking, the members of the RNC prefer an RNC member to be the chair. I have decades of experience, frankly, far longer than the current chair in conservative activism. I've run for office. I know the mechanics of elections. I've walked precincts. I've knocked doors. I've raised uh, you know, well over a million dollars for candidates and for party uh, operations. I've run a business, which our current chair has not done, and that really shows in our lack of ability to properly negotiate contracts, get good deals for the party, not have outrageous expenses of fundraising and overhead, and really, you know, use the force of good business judgment to make sure that our our candidates and our state parties are not being ripped off. So all of these things, I think, are things that need to be changed at the RNC. I mean, the most important thing that I would change is, frankly, get rid of the uh, current corrupt consulting class that is ripping off our small and large dollar donors and has nothing to show for it. You need consultants. But they need to be people who perform and who are only uh, paid for the next job if they performed in the last one. We don't have that right now. So there are so many reasons. um, And I frankly cannot understand why anybody thinks the status quo continuing for two more years is okay. It's not okay for us to lose the White House, the House and the Senate, which has all occurred during the tenure of the current chair. So this is not a personality contest or anything finger pointing. I'm looking to the future. The future is a 2024 election, which we will not win if we stay on this course. I will tell you one of the reasons why I believe that there is that there are people who do want the status quo to continue. And you you alluded to it just a few minutes ago when you talked about the consulting class. I was in for a rude awakening when I decided uh, a few years ago to form a, a super PAC to found one so that we could help move the black vote in, in America. I was stunned at what I learned. I was stunned that sometimes 80% of the money that donors are giving up go to prospectors and 20% maybe end up in the hands of the, of the, uh, the, the actual candidate that they're running. I was stunned to learn that there are people who are making millions of dollars 
who lose elections, and what is the incentive if you're doing double, triple, quadruple billing so that you get your hands on as much money as you can? Mark Stein and I had a long talk about this um, a few months ago because this is one of the things, if you look at what Democrats, where they place their money, they place their money in the ideology that they believed in. I'm not, I'm not saying that these people don't also have people that enrich themselves, not saying that at all, but they put millions and millions of dollars into ideology, into ground games. We put millions of dollars into consultants' pockets, whether they win or lose, and if you're going to be wealthy no matter what at the end of the campaign, what is the incentive to win? Well, let me start by saying that some of these consultants are openly contemptuous of the base of our party, the base that is today the Donald Trump voters who came in. And, you know, now whether they support him or not, they are populist voters who care about bread and butter issues. They're not the country clubbers. And, you know, we have one consultant in the building who, who you know, I've, I've heard anecdotes, you know, was pulling for Hillary Clinton to win. Uh, why are we expecting from consultants like that that we will get, you know, sort of performance to elect America first candidates. That's that's silly to expect that, quite frankly. And secondly, Democrats don't do it this way. I mean, they really kind of hold their consultants accountable. They put the minimum into the party to do the minimum that the party can do. And then they sort of spend slush funds of dark money into our races and affect our outcomes of our races. You said millions. I'm going to tell you, Bo, it's hundreds of millions of dollars in the last few years that have gone into the pockets of consultants, fundraisers, and others who do not achieve electoral results for Republicans. It's that simple. And so everything was fine in my race, actually. Everything was hunky-dory. Oh, that's cute. Harvey's running until day three when I said, I want an audit of all vendors and consultant contracts at the Republican National Committee as, as my first jobs in office. And all of a sudden, every consultant in D.C. is gunning for the chair to continue with the situation that she has where staff who themselves are double dipping negotiate the contracts. There's nepotism in the building. There are a lot of things in the building that I have learned that are very concerning and I would like to change. And I think there are tens of millions of Republicans who agree with me that things need to change. You talked about the contempt that, that many people in the uh, what, what I call the establishment half of the base. We see that everywhere. We see it in terms of this spending bill that's before the American people right now, handing tens of millions of dollars to Democrat and pet projects with no opposition from the people that Republicans base, the Republican base has elected to be the opposition party. And instead, we get like this article from this guy in the Washington Post today who, one of the ones that's saying that Rona Rona McDaniels ought to continue, he wrote another article, we should just stop this because we're not going to get everything better. In other words, don't fight. Let me just turn to your vision of the Republican Party. By the way, a straw poll at Turning Point USA, which is the largest right now youth organization Republican Party has ever had, has suggested they want to see you. You won that straw poll. They want to see you lead the RNC. Uh, My fellow brother in broadcasting, Mark Levin, has endorsed your candidacy and others. What can people do to get behind you and help you over the finish line here? 
Well, thank you for asking. So the voters of the RNC are the 168 members. They're indirectly elected by voters. They are directed, uh, directly elected by sort of delegates or precinct committeemen or whatever the structure is of your state party. In California, it's 1,500 delegates. In Arizona, it's precinct committeemen. In other states, it's other representative bodies. So they're two steps removed from the voters to start with. And, you know, so now what we're seeing is some of them love to hear from voters because they're grassroots people themselves. Some of them hate to hear from voters. And believe me, I haven't heard an earful from those people. Uh, And I've had to apologize to them that the people they represent are actually contacting them, you know, the horror. And I think the best way to go at this point is, yes, if you can politely reach out to those people and you feel like doing that, just, you know, be persuasive and not harsh. But more importantly, call for a vote of your state party on who the next chair of the RNC should be. Tennessee uh, had a standing vote at their last meeting. Arizona had a resolution of its uh, executive committee. Texas has voted also for a vote of no confidence. And, um, you know, uh, you know, in Florida today, it looks like there is a call for a, a meeting of the state parties, you know, executive committee as well to to take a vote on that. And both candidates for chair of the Florida GOP have both endorsed me. Uh, but the current chair, who has endorsed Rana, changed the date of the meeting so that he could uh, continue, control that vote. So those are the shenanigans. I'm laughing because I've been in politics for a long time. These are the shenanigans we see in party politics. Low stakes in a way, but, you know, a, little, a lot of high energy to control, keep, keep control in the hands of a few, uh, a few people. So people should not give up. They should not uh, give up hope. Nothing will change if people like me don't step up and aren't supported by the listeners uh, of your of your um, of your shows, Bo. And so I, I really think that we have to stand up and make a change here. Let me join Mark and say I endorse your candidacy. We need a change. Harmi Dillon, you are the breath of fresh air that many of us have been praying would come to the RNC, and, and we wish you every success in your mission to actually bring true change to this party. Thank you so much, Bo. That means a lot to me. And you're such a patriot. And uh, and with with the strength of all of these patriots out there and people who care about the future of our country, I have confidence that I'll be able to pull this off on January 27th in California. Thank you. Please join us again. You are you have an open door here on this show. Please join us as often as you'd like. We'd like the audience to get to know you better and your vision for the future of this party, something we don't have time to do right now. So come back. We'll have you come back as often as you want to. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you. Now, Harmie Dillon, ladies and gentlemen, running for, by the way, some of the law work that she did, just so you know, she was out in front in trying to secure your freedom during this coronavirus madness that the Democrats was were spreading around this country. She was one of the people initiating the lawsuits so that you could be free from some of these restrictive mandates that crush the American economy. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, coming back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurley. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Michael Buble brings us back. 
It is Christmas time, the Christmas season, here on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Ave Maria, family at WABC to yours that you have the best holiday season ever, the best Hanukkah, the best Christmas of your lives. Let's go to the telephones in the few moments that we have left here on Boston Neighborly's Rush Hour. Beth, you've been holding on from Kentucky, the state that keeps giving us Mitch McConnell as (laughs) our Senate leader. Hello, Beth. Hello, Beth. Well... Let's try then for Patricia in Brooklyn. Patricia, welcome. How are you? You're on Boston Early's Rush I'm Hour. Good, Bo. I want you to wish you and your loved ones a happy and healthy holiday. You mean so much to me. Oh, thank you. I so appreciate that, Patricia. What are you doing for Are you going to be traveling? Are you going to be one of the millions that are traveling? No. Are you going to stay close to home? No, I'm an old lady. No, I'm not. I'm just making dinner and that's it. Dinner is a good thing. I know. Yeah, so happy holidays, the very best, very Thank best you. holidays so to you. Bless, you. bless your heart, bless your soul for always being on the radio. You mean so much to people like me. Thank you, Patricia. I do. Your words mean a lot to me. I appreciate this. We have Beth in Kentucky again. Beth, welcome. How are you? Hello. I am wonderful today, and how about you? I am good. I have been distressed, as you can tell, by reading the news about this spending package. I don't know how any Republican in their right mind could look at the money that's being spent to promote (laughs) radical, radical leftism and say, yep, this deserves my vote. Uh, Where can we put uh, Mr. McConnell, then? Uh, After hearing your guest and everything I had written down to ask you and complain about I think she answered everything I need to do to get up and go well you know what here's what we can do I'm sorry here's what we can do we we are seeing new leadership emerge out of all of this no from Chip Roy the house member from Texas Chip Roy has now gotten together 31 Republicans And they're putting the Senate on notice. And this has never happened, to my knowledge, before. And they're saying, if you don't, if you go along with this stuff, you better not bring any legislation, because whatever it is, we're going to oppose it. I think that what we need to do is coalesce where we do have power. And Chip Roy is proving himself to be the leader, the de facto leader right now. And so we need to support that effort and encourage more Congress people to join this growing coalition that Chip Roy is putting together. That is our best chance right now to stop this monstrosity in its tracks. Well, I will. I just wrote his name down because I hate to say this, but I'm not. The only reason why I voted for Mitch is because a booker that ran Democrat against him out of Louisville, and he had the most 
monstrositous TV ad where he had a uh, person of color, that could be anybody, black person. However, I don't know. I'm over here in eastern Kentucky. Hanging off of a tree. What? As a commercial ad. Yes, check this joker out. Horrendous. I I don't know why anybody would want to vote for somebody that, I mean, we don't think that way over here. Goodness, that's just terrible. And you know what? Now that I think about it, it wouldn't surprise me. I better not say it. I have no proof of it. Just put put it like this. Oh, just in politics. Yep, in politics. Here in Eastern Kentucky, and he's from Louisville. In politics, all things are possible. It could be that that person with the horrendous ad was put there to elicit the exact response from you and other voters that it got. Well, I wish we had time for more calls, folks. Busy show today. We will also have a busy show tomorrow. But we appreciate you being here each and every single day on Boston Early's Rush Hour. We will be back tomorrow. Wishing you the very best of this holiday season. Remember, remember, my friends, despite what you're reading, we didn't even get to this Donald Trump business. They released his tax returns. I don't care what's in Donald Trump's taxes. I'm just telling you right now. I don't care what they're already releasing details. I don't care. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Make sure you're here. Boston Airways Rush Hour on WABC. God bless you. This is The Rush Hour with Pose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.